The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are giving you the keys to help you rise, come back, and thrive in today's complicated world, helping you find your story of well from the mind down. I'm Lucia. And I am so honored to be here today with you. For those of you who don't know me, just a little bit more about me. I'm an Emmy-nominated host and journalist and also a licensed mental health professional and a lover of all things well. Um, We're in the middle of a very powerful series right now on mindfulness in today's world, especially 2021. And as we shift into 2022, and maybe you're listening to this in 2022, Things are more complicated, more stressful now more than ever. So how can mindfulness, which has become this buzzword, help power us, fuel us into the lives we want, into the minds we want, the bodies we want, the holistic well-being we want, right? So what is that? Our career that we want, the family we want. We're going to be talking, the love that we want. Um, We're going to be talking about all of that in this series. So we're so glad you're here with us. Today's episode is dedicated to work um, and how mindfulness in the workplace can help fuel you and move you towards happiness in your work life. It's a big topic. When I was doing research on the show, found a survey that um, talked about how 85% of people, 85% of people are dissatisfied with their job. 85%, right? And it talks about why they stay, right? Most of it is because they feel like they have to, but why do they not like it, right? And some, for some of it, it's colleagues and interpersonal relationships. It's the type of work. Commute has become less of an issue, of course, um, but eventually probably will somewhat go back. Um, sometimes it's stagnant growth. But in this environment where we talk so much about work-life balance and employment engagement and company culture, right? of us still are miserable at work. So how can we tap in and bring in mindfulness to truly create change? Because I do believe it's possible. It's just having the right conversations, right? Because if you've worked in corporate America or just in any workplace, right? So often there's these conversations being had, but they're the wrong conversation, right? And they don't actually create change or facilitate change. Um, And sometimes they can move us in the wrong direction, right? But mindfulness, how can that play a part in actually helping you, right? And your workplace culture. Our guest today is going to come on and talk about just that. Um, This is her life's work. Uh, She's the founder of Mindfulness Matters, Samara Zelnicker. Um, And hopefully I said your name wrong, Samara. Hopefully I said your name right. Um, We'll make sure we check with her. But uh, she's going to talk to us about how we can bring mindfulness into work for ourselves, for our company, um, to actually have the conversations that matter and to create the change that matters that makes us happy and healthy at work. Um, Some of the other stats that I did just want to share, because I want to help normalize it for you if you're having a hard time at work and you're really struggling, um, it, it talked about 60% of people in this uh, poll said that the pressures and responsibility of the workplace and home 
they just didn't have boundaries, right? And now again, in post-COVID, or we're, we're still in COVID, but so COVID error of life, um, those boundaries are blurred even more because a lot of people are still at home because of the pandemic, right? Uh, a third of the, of the respondents said that they work too hard, right? So 33% and 40% said that they work too many hours. So working too much, being burnt out, not loving the actual culture of where you work, all of these things are keeping people unhealthy at work, right? Making choices that they don't want to make because they're not feeling their best. They're not, right, quote unquote, living their best life. Um, although that's used so much, but it pertains, right? Because when you don't feel like you are your best self or you're unhappy or you have all these pressures, those are the things that contribute to making choices that harm our holistic well-being, whether it's mental health, emotional health, physical health, or most likely all of it. So what can you do to change? Uh, I want to just say from my own personal experience, I've been lucky that when I've been in media, even though some of the environments have been interesting, I'm just going to use that word right now, interesting, um, I was always so happy there because I loved what I was doing that I found my own work-life balance. And then um, there's one particular situation that I can think of where it wasn't the best, but I was mindful of it and I exited the situation fairly quickly. Um, so for me, being mindful and being where I wanted to be has been a big, huge, enormous piece of being happy when I've been at work, but I can tell you that when I haven't been mindful and I've been in situations um, that have been unhealthy, I felt like 85% of everybody, which is I didn't want to be at work, right? So how do we stay mindful? How do we stay present? And how can we actually bring that into the culture as well? Our guest is going to help us get there. Um, we'll be right back with Samara right here and Well Seekers. You're listening to Well Seekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. Welcome back to Well Seekers as we continue our series on mindfulness with our guest today, Zamara Zelnicker. Zamara believes in the power of mindfulness to change lives and businesses. After a career in fashion and many personal turning points, she realized the importance of health and wellness and how it played a vital role in her own life and began her journey personally and professionally in the world of health and wellness and mindfulness. She developed an obsession with authentic connection that sparked the desire to build a platform for optimizing leadership. This is how Mindfulness Matters, a company and community she created, began now, through her coaching, organizational wellness, yoga retreats, yoga and other retreats, I should say, it is her purpose to help you create a life of impact. And she is here to share her journey and some of that impact with us today on Well Seekers. Samara, thanks so much for joining us here on Well Seekers. Thanks, Lucia. It's so great to be here. We're going to have all your links, all your sites up. I've spent a lot of time. And so has one of my producers on your website, which is mindfulnessmatters.ca and your social media. And you've had such an interesting journey in your professional life from where you were to where you are today. Can you tell us about your personal experience with mindfulness and how it led to this incredible professional world you live in today as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of things come out of your own personal experiences. So for me, I was working in fashion, I was working in wholesale distribution, and 
kind of on the outside, it was like this perfect job. I got free clothes. I got to travel for work. And um, it was also a family business. So I was essentially being groomed to take over the company. And I just had this sense of like unfulfillment ultimately. And I didn't know what it was. I couldn't really put a name to it. I couldn't specifically articulate it because I was doing what I thought I should. You know, it was kind of like went to university, finished, got a job, you know. Yeah, I was really living out of that place of shoulds. And then I went uh, on a sales trip to Brazil. And on the way home, I was at the airport about to board a flight and I broke my foot completely out of nowhere. And that was a really eye-opening moment because it made me realize how important health and wellness was to me and that you know I really incorporated into my life on a daily basis because I came home and found out I had to wear a boot on my foot for eight weeks at the beginning of the summer after a long, hard Canadian winter. So that was sort of my first initial catalyst. I ended up signing up for yoga teacher training at the end of that summer through a series of synchronistic events. And from there, that really opened up my mind to mindfulness and what it meant to look at things from a different perspective. That was the first foray into it. And it really gave me the opportunity at that moment and the confidence to start following my intuition. So instead of listening and doing the things that I thought I should do, starting to listen to the things that I really wanted to do, or that felt aligned for me. Again, at the time, wasn't able to articulate this, didn't necessarily have the language around it, but just started like listening to my heart really is what it came down to. And after that training, I was still working in fashion, but I enrolled in a service mission, something called Africa Yoga Project, where I went to Nairobi, Kenya, and I helped train 150 people from all over Africa to be yoga teachers. Again, it was really a leadership development program, ultimately, for these wonderful people. And I came back from that trip, and I was like, wow, these people could do this and live their dreams and kind of live outside of what's expected for them or predetermined for them, and so can we. And that's when I started Mindfulness Matters. Yeah, so powerful. I love how you talk about, because I'm obviously trained as a therapist and we talk a lot about cognitive distortions. And one of those are the should. So I love how you talk about that. For example, I should be here. And where that puts you in situations that aren't necessarily even where you're supposed to be, right? And it sounds like you've had that experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I just didn't know anyone who had done anything differently. At that point, yeah. you know, I, I grew up in a, a wonderful community where my parents still live and a lot of my friends and family, but it was like very samey. Like people, yeah. you know, were really happy with that as well. Like that just kind of worked for them. And I always felt different. I remember feeling at a young age and asking my mom, like, wait, like you live in the same place your whole life and you do the same things with the same people. And although there's like a total joy in that. And I love going home and seeing friends and family. I could never fully comprehend it. Mm. What I really appreciated is that you had the organizational work that you do, and then you have coaching work as well. If we look at the organizational, because one of the big things we talk about here at Well Seekers is it's really a, a holistic approach, right? So I could say, you know, go on a yoga retreat and people could go on a yoga retreat for a week or a weekend or 30 days, but then they could come back and not be able to incorporate mindfulness into their day-to-day, -day, especially into work. So tell us, about how you bring mindfulness to organizations. Yeah, absolutely. So I agree with you 100%. If you want to make a perspective shift in any sort of place, shape, or form, then it is holistic. It's 
how you're thinking about things and how you're acting and, you know, just kind of adding one thing to another. So there's no different from work. It's not like you go into work and you're like, oh, this is different. This is who I'm going to be at home or the relationships that I have outside of this. And we spend so much time at work. So I think equipping people with the tools of how to, of self-awareness and self-management and emotional intelligence and empathy and compassion really leads to strong leaders. And there's so much data and information coming out, I feel like especially in the past few years that supports this, which is why a lot of companies are investing in it for their employees. I mean, especially post-COVID, where most teams are remote, one of the biggest factors for happiness and well-being in an organization is this idea of psychological safety and those unwritten like social norms that make us feel connected and give us the ability to take risks and feel comfortable amongst our peers. And so, you know, the work that I, you know, I started, like I said, teaching yoga, and then I went into coaching where I work with a lot of people, but on a one-on-one basis and also in a group format. Um, and it just kind of made perfect sense to be able to transition that into the, into the workspace, because again, we spend so much of our time working and it really shapes who we are. So, you know, maybe you go see a therapist or a coach with your partner or you go to your yoga class or all of these things. And it's like, well, okay, we're having conversations, communication, um, spending time, energy, focus, strategy, whatever that looks like throughout the day at work. Why not work on those soft skills with our colleagues? This is a way to help unify people and help people understand themselves better so you know again they can lead from a stronger place I love that in theory right and I just think about so many people that I've worked with and so many people's stories I've heard of what that actually looks like I'd love to give an organizational example and get your feedback and then maybe some individual examples and see if we can talk about what people can actually do to implement this Let's take an organization, for example, that has some issues with toxic work environments, right? It seems from what you were saying that research all points to the more toxic the environment, the less people thrive, the less people engage. Does that feel fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm in an organization from an organizational standpoint, maybe there's someone from HR listening. So if we look at the broader lens, what are things organizations can do and what... What is some of the work that you do in actuality to give them tools to help fix this? Yeah, well, it also depends like who's like where the toxicity is coming from, right? So when you're shifting Mm -hmm. leadership and when you're introducing these concepts, change happens from the top. It's like anything, right? If you're working one-on-one with someone, they're able to change their life. When you're working with a team, it's like, you know, C-suite managers, directors, like every single level has a ripple effect from the people that they're directing essentially. And so it's kind of pinpointing what the biggest challenges are within the organization. So toxicity could come through a lot of different ways. It could be poor communication. It could be not having expectation match up with delivery. It could be having unclear deadlines or things like that. I mean, again, it usually stems to like how you're representing yourself versus, versus how you think you are. So I actually Mm. think that the communication plays a huge role and so does self-awareness. So that's where we would introduce a mindfulness practice, right? So it it can be 
especially again in a remote Zoom world where it's like Zoom to Zoom to Zoom, you kind of are jumping from one thing to another. So as a team, you can take a moment to arrive, which is like the first few minutes at the beginning of the call, just arriving, right? Like taking a couple deep breaths together, getting on the same page, right? Your last meeting could have been really busy. It could have gone really well. It could have not gone so well. So respecting that everybody is coming from a different place and honoring that, you know, not having everything be so transactional because it can get that way, especially when you're not seeing people or understanding like who they are behind everything else, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. I love the idea of, um, and even when you said, let's take a moment to arrive, I just wanted to pause with you, like arrive, right? Because we are just so in our day-to-day and meeting to meeting, right? So to have an environment that feels like the gold standard for organizations to promote that sense of connection is such a direct way through mindfulness. Does that happen a lot? Do you work with a lot of organizations that want to do that? Um, I think that again, a lot of organizations, so there's like two types, there's the proactive people It's like, think about this, like people, like there's those sort of, um, optimizers who are like really conscious about their health and they eat really healthy and they exercise and all that stuff. So there's those proactive businesses and people. And then there's also the reactive businesses like, oh, there's a challenge, help us. Right. And so like it, Yes, when it comes, there are a lot of forward thinking CEOs today who understand that culture is so important at creating a successful business and that it it really improves the productivity at the end of things. And it takes some foresight, but again, there's so much data coming out. I, and I it might not get the stat exactly correctly, but I think it was saying like 80% of Gen Zers would leave their job if it wasn't align, in alignment with their values. And so mm. really having, being clear on what your company's values are and then upstanding them is another tool in making sure that your culture is aligned with what you say it is, right? Because that's what's going to help buy people into wanting to work for you. And feel really loyal to the company and feel really invested, right? So making sure that like those values are being rolled out consistently. Feedback is really important, giving and receiving feedback. So like another tool is empathetic feedback or even active listening, right? So you, you, you're obviously aware of this as a therapist, but a lot of the times we listen just to respond and we listen to think about what you're going to say next or, you know, how you're going to sometimes even one up the other person versus just listening to listen right? and just mm-hmm. giving the other person that full space and allowing them to talk about what's coming up for them in a work context or outside of that. But it's often what's in between the lines is what's real. And that's the practice also of empathetic feedback is listening for feeling, you know, cause someone may be not feeling comfortable to ask for help, but that's all they need. And you may be able to really easily help them, but they feel ashamed or they maybe asked three times already and they feel like they should know better or things like that. So it's being really conscious of what people around you are saying and also what they're not saying. And in that, that's where like those sacred pauses, like taking a mindful moment or, you know, creating feedback benchmarks like on the calendar weekly or biweekly so that there's an opportunity for these things to come up. I think there's been such a focus and what I hear is that it's shifting or I hope it's shifting. There's such, there's been such a focus on production, um, right? With companies, instead of saying, how do we get optimal production and optimal product? It's just, let's do it faster. 
And with that comes this disengagement in the process and it becomes transactional. And what I hear you saying is when you engage and pause and instead of just knowing the answer, but participating in the engagement process, you're going to get more productive, a better answer and happier employees. Does that feel fair to say? Absolutely. That's totally, that's totally right. And even just expanding on what I was saying around like the proactive companies versus the reactive companies, you know, there are those companies that are like, okay, like our attrition rates, like we're losing people like really quickly, which is obviously an expense for a business. Like we need to do something different. And so like, that's when they realize, well, we really need to invest in our employees. And when people feel like you're investing in them, again, they want to work harder. They feel they want to invest in you. Right. And it's these soft skills around empathy, compassion, mindfulness, self-awareness that we're not really taught. You know, it's like you may, you may be taught those technical skills, whatever those are that get you through the door, but it's really those softer skills that keep you there and that help you lead. It's a break from the normal change of thought organizationally, right? Slow down to do more, engage with one another, don't respond to produce more. That's counterintuitive to what so many people have learned from a business work perspective. Yeah, I mean, Um, we live in this hustle culture mentality, right? And like more equals better. And so many people have adopted that. But again, if we look at that over like the lifespan, it leads to burnout, it leads to unhappiness, right? So it's like, it's of that, like, instant gratification generation or mindset where it's like not looking at things from a long-term perspective of like what are going to keep people happy and engaged and you know ultimately wanting to stay at the company and that and then also innovate and be creative because when we feel safe and it gives us the opportunity to do that when we feel like we're being forced to you know, produce or be a certain way then it takes it like robs of the joy and we're less innovative and creative. Could I ask just two more questions? Absolutely. One pertains to organizationally. I would love to see that pivot. And it feels like such an important pivot. I hope we're moving towards there. And if you're listening and you work for a company, because I've actually had people write in when we've done work-related conversations and they're like, you have no idea um, what actually happens and how I have to produce for my employer. Some of the things you're suggesting, right? Like it wouldn't work because I have a toxic boss. Um, you've probably heard all of this, right? Everything you could think of, we've probably heard too. If individually you want to practice and incorporate this life of mindfulness and engagement, and you feel like you're kind of selling yourself short, but you aren't in a position where you can just leave your job right now, you need to make this work within the context of that. Do you have any wisdom or experience around that, that you could share with people listening? Sure. So it's similar, you know, sometimes when you're in a job that you can't leave for whatever reason, it can also be compared to like family, right? It's like you can't choose your family or if you believe you can, there's schools of thought that believe that too. But, you know, it's like, okay, this is the situation that you're in. And one thing that we know is that you actually can't control other people. Like PSA, you cannot do it. Uh, We think that we can, but really what we can control is ourselves and our own reactions to things. Meditation is an amazing tool at helping develop a mindfulness practice. And there's two ways of looking at it. There's an integrated practice and a dedicated practice. So a dedicated practice is, you know, sitting for 10 minutes in meditation in the morning or in the evening or both if you can, essentially training your mind. And what you're doing is, 
you're training your mind to be present. You're training your mind to focus on what's happening in the moment. You're training your mind to find peace. When you're present, you can kind of devise a plan. Okay, I'm overwhelmed at work, but I have to do this first and then this and then that. And there's a clear picture because a lot of the times if we're operating from that place of overwhelm, there's no clarity because we're just feeling overwhelmed that we don't know where to start. So that can be really helpful as a dedicated practice. And think of a dedicated practice like, if you're comparing it to something physical, it's like doing bicep curls at the gym, you know, and you're doing bicep curls, you're getting stronger. And then your friend asks you to help them move. So when you go help them move, you're strong because you had done those bicep curls. So the move is the integrated practice, right? So similar to this situation, the meditation would be the dedicated practice. Whereas that hard conversation that was maybe triggering with your boss would be an integrated practice where you have the tools to stay present and take three deep breaths, which is another really great integrated practice to help cope when you're in that situation, because we can do hard things and it's re reframing them. So if you're in a situation where you have a toxic boss, it's maybe an opportunity to, again, develop your own practices and equip yourself with these tools because there's always going to be things that we're up against that are challenging and maybe reframing that, okay, I'm in this job. There's things that aren't perfect, but it allows me to make a certain salary, which allows me to support my family. And that feels really good, you know? And so it's like looking for that silver lining, whatever that is, because ultimately you don't have to do anything right even if like it's it comes down to salary or needing you know there's obviously opportunities to change jobs this this that or whatever and that may feel harder you know and so it's equipping yourself with tools to be able to deal with these challenging situations and then maybe if it's a situation of a job that's really tough it is coming up with a plan to leave you know okay in six months I want to be working at a new job. So what does that mean for right now? That means 20 minutes a day. I wake up 20 minutes earlier. I look at job postings, right? So it's also setting goals and working backwards from there to help you like get the things that you want. Incorporating mindfulness where you can big and small is what I'm hearing in sort of micro moments where it's breathe or in a wider lens than bringing it into your daily work. And then worst case scenario, right? trying to work towards the goal of leaving that job if it truly is an environment that can't come to terms in some way by reframing it. Yeah. I mean, I think that we have choices in in a lot of things or certain things that we don't have choices in, but it's remembering that. But, you know, I think a lot of the times when we're in something, we forget that like maybe we chose to be in that or we have another option. So it's remembering that. And if it's in a situation where you really don't have a choice because that's possible too, it's reframing it. I feel like I could talk about this double the amount of time, but I want to respect your time. I know you have a really hectic schedule. And if people want to learn more, continue this conversation to find out more about your services, where can they find you? So everyone can find me. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'm at Mindfulness Matters, or you can check out my website, which is mindfulnessmatters.ca. I hung on to the CA because I'm a Canadian girl at heart and you can always just shoot me a DM or an email. I love, I love, love hearing from people and, you know, especially if something resonated or there's any way I can help and support you. I love that you hung on to the CA. I noticed that. And we'll of course put all your links below her website, all of her socials. You can easily get in touch with her. And thank you so much again for joining us on Well Seekers. 
Lucia, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We'll be right back on Well Seekers. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless, and with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones or bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. Thanks so much again to our guest. So much information in there. I've said it before, but we purposely keep these shows um, manageable because we know people have such limited time. But I would love to sit down with our guests and just do extended cuts um, for, for those listeners that want extra shows. So maybe look out for that in 2022. Thank you so much again to our guest today and to all our guests. Make sure to, um, to look at her links, look at all of our links. If you have a question for our guests now or for any of our guests, or maybe you have a show topic or something you want us to talk about, do not hesitate to reach out. You can find us on all social media. The links are below, but we're at Wellseekers on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm at Lucia Naz on Instagram, Lucia's page on Facebook. Um, and we love talking, obviously. I love talking. I have a podcast um, and uh, have talked for many years in media. So absolutely reach out. Let's have and continue the conversation from all of us here at Wellseekers, though, we want to say thank you. We know you have so many places you could be spending your time um, and so many choices in today's complicated and crowded word. And we could world, not word, word and world, actually, both pertain there. You have so many choices in today's complicated and crowded world. So we want to say thank you for taking the time to be with us and for being a part of our family here. We'll see you soon and Wellseekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.